in the bank Cause you know that I'm gonna get Hello and welcome to Rogue Opinions and our Money on the Bank slash Money on the Roof um, show. <laughs> Can we just start that again? <laughs> the smooth silk. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I will leave it in, bugger it. And Money in the Bank, Money on the Roof review. And joining us today on this show is scott mcleod and nathan greenway hello scott you sound thrilled it does doesn't it <laughs> well, actually, I, was up, I was optimistic about four, wait, a minute ago when my computer decided that also i'm sure when we talk about running the bank i'll i'll regain my enthusiasm oh. yeah I'm sure you will. (laughs) (laughs) So, guys, we're here for Money on the Roof, as everybody's been referring to it as. And what did we... um, What do you want to do? Do you want to get straight into the first match? Are we bothering with the... um, Are we bothering with the pre-show? Well, I think I'm the only one here who's actually watched the the pre-show... The only match with it was uh, Jeff Hardy v Cesaro. There isn't much you can really say about it. Cesaro was on offense for like 70-80% of it. And then Jeff had his, his comeback at the end and won because it's his first match back. So of course they did. But I don't think Cesaro looked too bad in defeat. But it was just really a stopgap for Hardy on his way to his probably inevitable feud with Sheamus. So there's not really much you can say. You can't really go into too much step with it. Yeah, it was a funny thing. I mean, they started the Jeff Hardy and Sheamus thing on SmackDown, and then um, yeah, they announced this match for some bizarre reason. It's probably already taped, but but still, but yeah, it's Cesaro. So Cesaro lost. We already we already know that. <laughs> Poor Cesaro. What was annoying for me though was I watched it the first twenty or so minutes of the pre-show. And like nothing of not happened, like nothing. And then I said, "I'm gonna go. I've got pizza in there that I can heat up." And literally, I went. I went to work my kitchen, and all I can hear is, "And we're getting ready for our match during the kickoff." You're like, literally, as soon as I walk away from my television, something of not happened. <laughs> Typical that is, isn't that? What was on your pizza? Uh, it was just regular pepperoni. <laughs> It was more interesting than listening to Scott Stanford and Peter Rosenberg talk about who they think is going to win money in the bank. <laughs> it, it is? No way. No I mean, way. This is the second time I've kind of done this. I went, like I said, to Carl on our night two review. I went for a piss and missed Rob Gronkowski winning the 24-7 title. <laughs> <laughs> it always happens to me when I'm watching Man United. It doesn't look like anything's going to happen. So I think, right, this is the time to go to the loo. Mid 
bit past and yeah, yes! For fuck's sake! <laughs> Yay! And Man United have conceded. Yeah! <laughs> Normal, normally these days. <laughs> oh, football banter. What is this? Banter Munich? Oh my god. <laughs> so, anyway, um, the show starts off with um, the fatal four way tactic. Team action, which is the the new day, Lucha House Party, um, Miz and Morrison, and the, the Forgotten Sons. Who, ironically, I almost forgot. <laughs> I didn't realise um, Steve Cutler had like cut his hair. No, or me. I, was, <laughs> I wasn't prepared for that. <laughs> is it just me who think his hair was shaved in such a way that? He didn't properly look bald. He looked like he was wearing a bald cap. <laughs> That's how it looked to me. Yeah, he wasn't like he didn't shave all the tiny hairs off. So he just looked, yeah, he just looked weird. It's probably a Vince directive, isn't it? Shave your hair off, damn it! <laughs> <laughs> oh, but yeah, they're they're. I quite like the Forgotten Sons. I know everyone or a lot of the consensus is usually that they're pretty boring, but I think they're pretty cool. I don't hate them, hate them, but they're nothing special. It's, you know, they weren't really doing much on the next tee, and they sort of magically appear on SmackDown. But yeah, they're not bad, actually. Uh, they'll probably get forgotten about. <laughs> <laughs> but um, fair play to Lince Dorado. He he took a fair bit of the offense in uh, in this matchup, didn't he? Yeah. I- I really think it was weird that Lucha House Party and Forgotten were getting this like position rather than just like a straight up rematch between Miz and Morrison and the New Day. But I think they like the idea, like the multi-man match, like they've been doing, like they had the the triple threat, technically singles match for the tag titles at Mania. And but Lucha House Party, I think, were one of the highlights of the match, surprisingly. And uh, with a nice touch with Lindsay, his mask, which was pointed out to me, is kind of a, a a reference to the white. White Ranger from Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. <laughs> that instantly put my support behind the Lucha House Party for a while. <laughs> and uh, Grand Metalik, who, as Corey Graves pointed out, just looked like Juventud Guerrero. Like, <laughs> yeah, like, someone, on, someone on Twitter pointed out that apparently uh, Lance's uh, mask is uh, a nod to um, Justin League of Thunder, by mm. all accounts. Uh, I can't back that up with anything concrete, though. Did you just call him Jushin League of Fun- Thunder? Is that not his name? Justin Thunder. Justin Thunder Liger, sorry. <laughs> Do apologise. <laughs> so really what we're saying is that the, um, the Lucha House Party have no original ideas. Pretty much. Pretty much, yeah. Oh, cool. They're just the a new- match of different colours. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's a pretty good match, though. I don't really understand who was legal, but I like halfway through. No. <laughs> Which is like, <laughs> tends to be what happens. Like, when it was something oh. over, I was like, hang on, is that even the legal guy? <laughs> what was um, strange to me about this was Miz and Morrison, I think out of all the teams, were in this match the least. And in a sense, that kind of played to their advantage, where they basically they kept, they came in at one point, like they were going to steal the one when Morrison came in with Starship Pain. And I think what they're doing is. They, they're keeping them out of the way from the new day and letting Blue Jays Party and Forgotten Sons maybe have their moment, and then maybe they're saving uh, 
Miz and Morrison be the new day for like a SmackDown, or maybe they'll hold off the backlash because they've not got much else to do with the SmackDown tie division at the moment. Yeah, and it seemed to be that they were keeping the Forgotten Sons kind of away from anything major other than looking like they're going to win as well. So maybe it was just like, we got the Lucha House Party, they're going to put on a good match, they can take the fall and then these three teams can go can go forwards like where are the Usos in? oh no one of the Usos is injured yeah one of the Usos is injured again so that's a shame and they've just lost um, the revival obviously as well because they've left so uh, yeah. they are a bit short on short handed on the tag team front and it looks like uh, heavy machinery might be splitting up as well oh well no spoilers well no it was it was it came out <laughs> before that as it came it was said for the show it was reported that they were focusing them on a singles competitor with what is now being with Mandy, so it's not a spoiler. But if you watch, if you're listening to this and you don't know what happened at Money in the Bank. <laughs> oh. and, and somehow even though it was no DQ rules, uh, Jackson Riker got sent to the back. Yeah, that was weird. Like the whole thing about uh, the throw and sons is like Liz and Morrison don't have anyone in their corner and Luch Irish Party and New Day, their third man's been kind of unavailable, so the only ones with the advantage were the Forgotten Sons, and yet they didn't allow them to take advantage of it, even though they, they could come down to stress before they were kicked out. Oh, well, he, can, he can get involved, it's no disqualification in that four way. Yeah, that was weird because he could have just like, it was like he interfered, so he got kicked out, but like Morrison could have whacked Grand Metalik in the head with a sledgehammer and it would have been allowed. Mm-hmm. Like, so, was it what annoyed me, and I had just forgotten about it, is when Riker got sent out, and then the Lucha House Party both did like big crossbodies to the outside, but neither commentator mentioned it because they were too busy explaining why Riker had to leave. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they probably had Vince McMahon or some producer yeah. in their ear say, "Explain why they're chucking him out." Quiet. But they did. They did cool. Cool crossbodies, like got some decent height, looked good, but Cole was too busy going. And Reich has been sent away by the referee, even though it's no disqualification, <laughs> it is referee's <laughs> discretion. <laughs> like, shut up, Cole. Like, those guys just put themselves on the line, brother. But no surprise, and um, it was a loser house, Lucha House party member that took the pin, Lance Dorado, uh, on the receiving end of a big ending. And Biggie makes the cover for the one, two, three, and they retain the titles. Yeah, uh, I think the Luke Harris actually got the best showing out of any of the challenging teams in this match. Because like a lot of the ending stuff was between them and Nudie, and I think by having one of them take the the fall, even though you knew they weren't going to win again, like I said, maybe keeps them away from Miz and Morrison before the eventual one-on-one uh, title match, and. I really like the New Day's entrance, how they've adjusted it for this now empty arena era where yeah. he yells, oh, people at home. <laughs> it's just brilliant. But he, he needs a world title run, Biggie. He, he's just the best. Um, I think. I also think um, the combination of Lancey Dorado and uh, Grand Mechalik seems a bit more dynamic and fluid than, was it Sin Cara they used to have with them? No, they yeah, got, they got or was Kalisto. it the other one? Kalisto, sorry, that's the one. I, I, I think I think they're better just the two of them, personally. All these yeah. math people just look the same as Carl. <laughs> <laughs> Racist! Carl doesn't know who anybody is so far. <laughs> I don't know. 
Just making it up as I go along. <laughs> is this is this a good time to do a Rahul and uh, admit I haven't watched Money in the Bank? I haven't watched wrestling for years, actually. <laughs> I don't know what's going on. <laughs> but what did you what do you guys think of the match? Oh, I thought it was good. Oh, sorry, get you guys got. Uh-huh. Sorry, yeah. yeah. I just I thought it was a strong opener and like I said, like other than the whole like the idea of Jackson Rigger just getting kicked out and maybe Miz and Morrison not doing as much. I think that is as as I said, like a storyline kind of thing. So I think as an opener you can't really go wrong with like a multi man like tie match. It's Kind of like what NXT does, they always start off with a tag match because it's usually the, the best way to kick off the show. Yeah, Nathan? Yeah, I'll just agree with what uh, Scott said, sadly. Um, it was just a fun fun opener to get kick off the show uh, nice and fast-paced, which obviously plays to the strengths of the Lucha House Party. There was that moment in the match where like the Forgotten Sons got on top and Corey Graves was like, the Forgotten Sons are here to slow it down. I was like, oh, go away. Godsons are pretty good and had some good offense as well and I think it was probably right to keep Miz and Morrison and the New Day perhaps apart because they're probably going to end up facing each other at Backlash down the line and yeah it was was good good start yeah yeah. Yeah, I agree I enjoyed the match it was a a fun mostly fast paced opener Uh, yeah great great choice to open the show um, we had backstage for uh, what I've written in my notes as a, a boring Lacey promo, but I'm sure Nathan <laughs> enjoyed it. The fucking cheek. <laughs> <laughs> uh, she had some important things to say about how she's going to win, and it, it went really well. Yep, see, he can't even remember it himself. Yeah, I didn't at all grow when I think we see. <laughs> I much, I much prefer to stick as a heel. To be honest, it's for me as a baby face, it's just, just not working. She's always been a baby face, you liar. <laughs> her, her stick is a lot more cringeworthy, and she's a face. Yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah, pretty probably. Yeah, you are probably right. So she could probably change it up a little bit. Like calling people nasties and stuff isn't really a good guy thing to do. Yeah, didn't across she didn't really come across face later on. She just appear out of nowhere and occasionally punch someone in the face. <laughs> and, then, and then again call them a nasty, which again is not a very role model face thing to do. I mean you have it, a daughter Lacey. <laughs> your it game isn't really. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, then we have the hotly anticipated match. MVP versus R-Truth. Just a, whilst Carl says that, just a quick point. Um, this is second on the main card. Jeff Hardy v Cesaro was on the kickoff show. What? How backwards is that? I know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think they were using this more as an angle than a proper match because they followed up on Raw. The idea of like, because obviously Lashley came out. And I think they're teasing that uh, last year will probably ditch Lana and go with MVP as kind of his representative. And I think they're trying to build that up and then make Lashley maybe an eventual WWE title challenger. Possibly. It certainly looks like they're trying to pair Lashley with MVP, which I, I think will be a good good combination. But yeah, R2 came out and did his, 
his normal stick and he said, oh, I'm balling. And then people, well, you don't need to teach me how to ball. And they had a bit of back and forth before. And lastly, he came out. And uh, Gay, he said, to MVP, you can have the night off. And R-Truth was a bit upset that he didn't get the night off either. <laughs> I think I would be, to be honest, if I was about to get squashed by Lashley. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty funny. Uh, Scott, just a quick question. Does anyone need to teach you how to ball? Or could you already ball? Oh, I mean, even does. I mean, listen to me. I sound like someone who straight up balls like twenty four seven. Yeah, the match didn't obviously go very long. Lashley just won with a spear after Archie kind of tried to leave uh, a couple times, which yeah. was pr- pretty funny. Uh, other point is, it's pretty funny that they're obviously not going to talk about it for obvious reasons. But it is going to be hilarious if Bobby Lashley genuinely steals a man's wife, marries her, and then dumps her for MVP. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's pretty funny. <laughs> it would be strange. It would be strange, unless there's like a, a new romance angle coming in. They pretty much did the wedding and that was it. We're bored, we're bored of this now. <laughs> I think a big thing as well about the idea of Lashley not being with Lana anymore, I think with terms of Vince and that, well, what, what do you really do with Lana? Where's their interest in her once Rusev's no longer in the picture? Now that he's no longer with the company, so I don't think I, I don't think she really has a place right now. And I think I may have been more excited about the whole idea of Lashley getting with MVP than most people because over on ESSR, my brother does a, one of the shows like covering Raw and he's for weeks been saying put Lashley with MVP and literally as soon as Lashley's music hit on Mind the Bank he had like so many people in group chats that are on Twitter messaging him basically saying it's happening it's happening now <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah apparently there good are shout. A- good, good shout from him well done we should get him instead of you Scott Oh, thank you. Fucking very much. Next time you see that bloody quiz partner, <laughs> ask him. Uh, but yeah, as we say, should we talk about what Archer said later on, like now, or should we wait till later on? Might as well bring it in now, I suppose. Being you brought it up. Yeah, he's basically talking about get. Yeah, he said, "I need. I don't have anyone to sell." Really, he thinks he somehow thinks he won the match. And he's looking at this picture and, he goes, <laughs> yeah. and comes over. And it's a picture of him with the twenty four seven title. <laughs> they really need to try and somehow get. Like they probably can't at the moment because of travel and stuff. But if they could do an angle before, presumably Gronk goes off to do some more NFL stuff. Like, if they can somehow shoot an angle where like, R-Truth wins the belt back. Like, we need it back. Like, I missed the 24-7 championship and all its shenanigans. But they brought uh, it up, so I think they must be going to do something. I know, like, I remember that was the thing with the, the Gronk like, segment on WrestleMania Night 2 where he won the title. But, like, you think Gronk's not someone who's going to be around all the time and he hasn't been around since Mania, so, like, it's a case of, like, you would have thought they'd have filmed something to get the belt off him. But then it just left. Like, there was little mention of the title for like what's well, been four weeks and many in the bank of minutes. So like it's the first time in nearly a month we've had it mentioned. 
And, you know, I, I said it on Twitter, like, what they need to do is backlash Tom Brady versus our Chris for the 24 7 title. I mean, that's <laughs> your, there's your big money match right there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was funny when he called him Tom Brady. Yeah, <laughs> I, I love Charlie Curusso as well. One of the only good interviewers they've got at the moment on on uh, WWE. I just looked in the camera like I think he means Rob Gronkowski. Just <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she said it totally deadpan as well. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good, good, good stuff. But guys, are we ready to talk about the match of the night? Are we? What, Bailey versus Tamina, that's that's your match of the night, is it? Oh, oh yeah, this was it, this was it. I mean, to be fair, it was better than I was expecting it to be. Was it? <laughs> <laughs> My God, how low were your expectations? Very, very. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we talk about this this promo thing they shared on the, the kickoff that people keep going to. So, no, Tamina's really good on Twitter and it was those, uh, like, that promo of Tamiya trying to be more positive because people say she's scary and all that. And like, yes, I'll admit I was entertained by that video. But that does not mean she should be the fact that women's champion. I mean, anybody can cut a, like have one decent promo. Like, Mojo Rawley has got decent Twitter promos. That does not mean I want him in a title program in any sense of the word. <laughs> That's very true. I think people have been getting a bit carried away with these uh, little Twitter videos she's been doing. Yeah, definitely, and I like the I like the promo between Bay with Bailey Sasha and uh, whoever that interviewer was uh, before, right before Bailey's entrance as well, because they're clearly sowing the seeds for Sasha v Bailey, which I feel like I, I'm pretty sure I started saying they've been sowing the seeds for Bailey v Sasha at my birth. Like it feels like it's been yeah. going on for that long. <laughs> like, like, but it really feels like they're going to do it this time, guys. <laughs> I really think we're kidding ourselves at this stage when we say, "Oh, this is definitely the point where they're building a Bailey versus Sasha." Because I don't think it's as much a priority for Dowie as we think it is. Because like WrestleMania seemed like the perfect object is when it's like it was Bailey's fault that Sasha got eliminated. And then Sasha just helped Bailey anyway and didn't like send it. Yeah. Well, and there was a bit. There was a the bit where they asked a question like of Sasha and then Bailey answered it instead. So you see, yeah, like, but, surely it's got to be leaning that way. Like then they said they keep saying that implying trying to sow the seeds between the two. Like oh, but it's technically Sasha's fault that Bailey's in this match because Sasha lost to Tamina, and so basically I think they keep trying to cause a rift between them. And yet, Sasha keeps coming and helping Bailey. So, like, like it's one way, like, oh, there's definitely tension. There's definitely, definitely going to happen. Oh, wait, no, they're still friends again. It's like, I don't even know if I care anymore. <laughs> That's the trouble. It's dragged out that long. When it, when it does finally happen, or if it does finally happen, no one's going to give two hoots about it, are they? Uh, they, were, they will when people start replaying all the footage from their takeover match. Then I think people mm. get a little bit hyped for it. At least, like I can't wait to watch that match on the kickoff of SummerSlam. <laughs> I mean, I know it was a great like match. They had great matches at uh, Takeover and Brooklyn, and then the following Takeover and the Iron Woman match. But I feel I need I should point out as hard as it is to admit that was five years ago. Yeah, and a lot of the stuff that Bailey and Sasha have done together since has been pretty pish. 
Like they tried to build the feud in like 2017, 2018, and they had them go to anger management for some reason. <laughs> then they became a tag team because we're different because they were building to the women's tag titles, and they had a crap name. They eventually won the tag titles, and then they lost them too uh, too soon. I, just, I don't care if Bailey and Sasha are going to have a match. I just don't care. And it shows how much we care about the match with Tamina that we're talking about the possibility if Bailey will ever face Sasha <laughs> in her actual match with Tamina. Yeah. Like, well, do you guys like the fact that Big, Big Tam, as she's lovingly known, <laughs> It took it took like a distraction and a really and a and a fairly well done to be fair crucifix for Bailey to beat Tamina. Like there is precedent here for a Tamina rematch. Yeah, I definitely. <laughs> I think a one-hour Iron Man match at Backlash is uh, surely on the cards. Oh. Like, I'm very pleased for like Tamina's. They were saying she's been there for like ten years and she's had a an absolute ton of injuries and other stuff as well that's kept her out. But I really, I don't think she needs to be in this position again. No. And I don't know why they insist on the, going to the top rope because she never looks comfortable up there, does she, when she when she climbs up? She always looks like she's about to fall off. She doesn't look comfortable walking down the ramp, Carl. <laughs> that, is a, that is a fair point. <laughs> I just um, felt odd that she should be in this position in the first place, given that remember the time she got the table shot, there was a documentary about her dad. And basically, <laughs> the if you watch that, ring, it doesn't do anything to help the help any pleas of innocence on behalf of Jimmy Snooker. Yeah, they didn't. They did make sure to not mention her surname, like at any point. Yeah. Like, yeah, I do love that. Like, do you go how quickly she went from Tamina to Tamina to get to back to Tamina? <laughs> record, record time. Like it's like don't mention her surname. It's like when Basil Fawlty says, "Don't mention the war." <laughs> <laughs> don't mention her surname. I think we got away with it then. <laughs> no one will know it, Scott. No one will know it. Do you think that's why they take away everyone else's surnames? Because they're like, hey, if we take away some more surnames, no one's going to wonder why we took Tamina's away. They'll just be like, oh, they're just dropping surnames again. Didn't they do that with Apollo Crews because some shooter was named Cruz or something? So they just called him Apollo for ages. I, you know what? One thing that I love about our reviews is they're always so lighthearted. <laughs> yeah. well, I think it's just a case we don't want to talk about this, this Matt Doom the title match. Oh, it was it was great. My favourite bit was um, the ending. I like <laughs> I like Sasha's outfit. I thought that was cool. Yeah, I must admit, I was I was quite uh, distracted by Sasha's outfit. Oh, I just thought it looked nice, and it I wasn't getting pervy. And um, and Bailey's right. new Bailey's new music is good. And um, I like the bit where she took water from Corey Graves. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, and I liked it when when Tamina threw Bailey over the thing, and Corey Gray straight away goes, "Why didn't you catch her, Cole?" Yeah, <laughs> like, that was funny. What <laughs> <laughs> what's weird to me is I think the card overall for me, even the kickoff match was pretty strong, and I think the weak point of the night was probably this match. But what I thought was weird was this was the lone like women's like singles match on the show. Because obviously they had the woman in the money in the bank match later on, and what was weird was 
you have Charlotte Flair on the poster as well, the NXT title, and yet they had her match with Io Shirai on like the week prior to NXT. And like, how much better would it be if they had addition to the Caribbean if they had Charlotte Flair defending the NXT Women's title rather than yeah. having Bailey to fight fight fucking Tamina because they don't want to have her against Sasha at the moment, and every other woman is preoccupied at the moment. I mean, Charlotte, to start off with, was on the poster for Money in the Bank, so I think they were set to have that match there, but then they wanted to pop a rating against uh, Dynamite, I think, so they decided to put it on uh, there, and perhaps because he decided to go for non-finish as well. Yeah, I think maybe the other thing is because they obviously didn't replace that match if they were going to have the two women, so maybe they were looking at keeping pay-per-views short for a while because this is only uh like i watched a little bit like rewatched a little bit whilst uh we were getting ready to record and this show's only two hours 23 minutes yeah that was a that was a big surprise for me like when it ended and like like was even half past two in the morning and like the preview is over which was weird and from what i've heard uh apparently they're wanting to keep it like this at least until they can get fans back in the arena so pay-per-views are going to be much shorter, which I think makes sense, which is probably why they did Big Mania over two nights, because doing the regular like six or so hour Mania with no fans is even going to be more of a slog than if there are fans in the arena. So like, I don't think it makes sense to keep pay-per-views their, their usual length if there's nobody in the arena to watch them. Yeah, I think yeah. the other thing maybe as well is you, if you've got less matches, you've got less people backstage. Like, I don't know what the rules are mm-hmm. over in Florida, but you need less people and everything like that. You can then automatically say, yeah, we can just stick Charlotte Flair, VEO, Shirai on NXT, pop a rating, and also it makes sure our pay-per-view is only two hours 20. Yeah, well, I think also not just short pay-per-views, but I think... Shorter matches seem to work better as well in the, this no-fan era as well. Yeah, and I think I said about how this was kind of my only like, low light of the card. I think that's the benefit as well of having these shorter shows, that fewer matches means like you, you get your big matches on the show, which means there's less like filler. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. 100%. Definitely agree. So, shall we move on to our <laughs> universal title match, then? That was Bailey v. Tamina, guys. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you already wrapped up, our, you already wrapped up the um, Bailey one of the crucifix pin, didn't we? So, uh, oh, yeah. yes, him... Bailey one retained. Sorry, That's, guys, spoilers. Pretty much it. <laughs> I'll be honest, so I wasn't fond of that match, but I think from here on out, here onwards for the next three matches, the one after that, this was Belter after Belter, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah we much. had um, so we had um, Bray Wyatt in his um, sort of TV presenter persona against um, Braun Strowman, the Universal Champion. When when Braun uh, Bray came out, he gets on the steps, he looks over at Conte, goes, "Hey guys, you're doing a great job. Don't <laughs> let anyone tell you different." Yeah. <laughs> 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 he had some great lines uh, during this match. Like when Braun pushes him back, and he goes, "Whoa, you're really strong." <laughs> <laughs> this is up until like there was this match was kind of in two sections. Well, I guess three sections. You had like Bray pissing about to begin with, then super serious Bray, and then kind of the ending point as well. Like mm-hmm. this is really a match of three acts, like three act structure. Yeah, we did have like 
Firefly Funhouse shenanigans sort of towards the end of the match as well, which is uh, which is good fun. Well, I remember uh, if you remember when we did like TLC a few months back, where that was the last time Bray wrestled as like this guys. And what was weird is like I remember at the time he just let them beat the hell out of him and then got him to the end. Whereas this time he was what was interesting about this match is it was a lot more competitive from like Funhouse Bray. Especially after the uh, the encouragement he got from Huskis the Pig Boy. <laughs> yeah. yeah, definitely. I remember that match with the yeah with the Miz. He kind of just I guess there's more of a story between mm-hmm. like Braun and Bray than there was Bray and Miz, and there was some cracking stuff with Bray and Miz. Like I think the what immediately springs to mind is the bit in Miz's house mm-hmm. as well and stuff like that. But here, Bray was almost trying to like he was trying to hypnotize and draw brawn back to being the black sheep of like 2015 and early 2016 i think my memory is right on the dates yeah um so there was a bit there was the points where he got super angry but even when he got angry and he was like shoving brawn into the table and then beating him up a little bit through into the stairs when he rolled brawn back to the ring he was immediately going i'm sorry brawn like under his breath he was like apologizing yeah i remember like on Saturday when he he offered him the, the math he said, like, when, he, when Braun refused, like, I'm sorry, Braun, I tried. And then, like, he said, like, stuff like that. And he said to Braun, like, look what you made me do. And then when he, like, threw him into the steps. And, like, Bray, I think, is one of the best storytellers the way he has at the moment. Because just Bray's, like, mannerisms and just, like, stuff he said in the ring. Like, you, Bray just managed to tell a great story in this match. And when you think of a Braun strong match, you think there's some good spots where you don't really think of, oh, oh they told a great story there. But I think for me, it's even more so than the the money in the bank when we get to it is a thing all on its own. Outside of that, this could possibly for me have been match of the night. Yeah, the, the dual personas he's now allowed to have with the fiend and um, I forget that the TV personality character. There is somebody's party and isn't there? But I can't remember. Can't remember the name now. Um, yeah, Mr. Rogers. That's yeah, Mr. Rogers, Mr. Rogers' character. It's given him so much to work with because he, he's got two totally different personas and he seems to be balancing them both really well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember there were people on Twitter going, Wait, so Debbie can't have fans in the performance centre, but they can have puppets in the audience. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean they're puppets? Yeah, Scott. <laughs> but, yeah, that's, that's the most sort of interesting bit in the match is when Braun sort of puts the you know, black sheep mask on. Um, Bray seems to think he's coming back into the fold. And then you get all the, the puppets pop up. Um, you, you're back. Welcome back. <laughs> yeah, that was really, really good. And then obviously it ends up being a ruse because Braun takes the mask off, rips his shirt off, got to make sure he gets that hot bod out. Oh, yeah. And then uh, <laughs> stamps on the mask and wins the match. What was interesting, obviously, it's the same when we come to the next match as well about the amount of stuff people are kicking out of. But it was quite, I can't remember, you guys might remember, the last person to kick out of a sister Abigail? Mm. I can't really put my finger on it either, but like, I think it's because the sister Abigail hasn't really been his main finisher since like the debut of this new character because it's been more so about the, the used as a set up like the mandible claw. And yeah. then before that, he wasn't wrestling for like, a good while, so it, it, it has to be a good while, but like maybe a couple of years even. 
I'm sure, I'm sure Jonathan would have done it at least once. Oh, yeah, I'm Roman, I dare say. Piss everyone off. But, um, but, yeah, I thought that was quite interesting because when he, when he hit the Sister Abigail, I was I like, I, I bit quite a lot. I was like, shit, he's actually going to win. <laughs> like, but, uh, well, well, it, just to reiterate what, what you said, like, this is masterful storytelling. And I think I'll probably agree with you, Scott, which I hate to do. Uh, but it's probably my <laughs> match of the night as well outside of the main event, which is just something else. Well, the thing with really this is Abigail is, like, I think the reason he kicked out of it is because this is Funhouse Bray, and as we've seen at the end, he's not yet in his final form. <laughs> and I think that'll come later. And you hear Bray saying to Ron, like, I told him, give me a chance, I could bring you back. So I think it's a case of the reason it was Funhouse Bray as he wanted, he didn't want to set the fiend on Braun because, like, they have that history. And then, as we see at the end, uh, Funhouse Bray failed. And then, like, we had the kind of the tease of it. So I think at Backlash, the fiend goes after Braun, and I think this is where Bray takes back the universal title. Yeah, and it also gives Braun um, a title defense as well, where he where he keeps the title. So, uh, well, this is my question as well for you guys. That if we put your fantasy book in hats on which we all love to do like why like there's easy ways to do it but why does the fiend do you think now actually get a title match because bray lost clean um well as clean as pretending to put a sheet mask on and then not is but um what how does the fiend get a title match i think well the fiend's probably going to try and attack Braun on the next head with Smackdown and Braun is a babyface and so by babyface logic, even though the person doesn't really hasn't done anything to deserve the title shot, if they attack you, a babyface must act and put the title on the line because all faces are stupid. <laughs> yeah. There there'll be some some sort of challenge or angle on SmackDown that'll lead up into it. Because I mean who else is there really to to challenge Braun at the moment on SmackDown? Roman out. Yeah, because I was going to say maybe Braun gets a different challenger at Backlash and we don't see Bray or The Fiend until... Because Backlash isn't too far away. And then you can have, at the end of the match of Backlash, The Fiend pop up. But you're right. Who? Like, I'm in dangerous territory knowing the WWE. It's going to be fucking Dolph Ziggler who gets a title match or something. But like, or, there is or Baron Corbin. Yeah, why not Baron Corbin? That'd be, that'd be pretty cool. Two, two big boys... Slamming meat, as Big E says. <laughs> I don't know why. Like, all I'm sad about is that if you want to give Braun like a couple like decent like title defenses before dropping the title again, because obviously it wasn't really the original plan for him to have the title in the first place. I, I'm really sad that they didn't do more with like that match. Yeah, we should skin Nakamura the night after the SmackDown after Mania. Like that could have been a good like Universal title match, even if it was on TV. Yeah, yeah, because. He really sold to Kinsasha as well, and um, he did make Shinsuke look kind of a threat against him, but uh, they don't really obviously see that much in Shinsuke these days, do they? So, I mean, you could, I could, you could have told like, a decent story, even if it was just a one-night thing, like the idea, like, mm. you took the IC title from me, so I'm going to take that from you. There is, yeah, there is story there, obviously, because, like, yeah, like, they lost... Like Braun lost the IC title because of those guys, and then straight away gets a universal title match. So, but you, the most annoying—well, it's not the most annoying thing—I um, 
about the world situation, but we don't have Sami Zayn because he was he could so easily cut a promo to set that up. Mm. No, no, he doesn't even have the IC title anymore. Shameful! What a <laughs> joke. Um, but no, this this was great. But I, I would agree that I'd like to see Braun at least get one more title match because Backlash as well. It's not really the show. Do we want Braun's title reign to end at Backlash? No, I mean they perhaps could drag it out to SummerSlam if they if they wanted to keep him and the Fiend apart for a, a couple of months, I suppose. Well, I think I think they're going to keep this like feud going at least through SummerSlam. So I think if you have Bray win the title, maybe at Backlash as the Fiend. I think um, what I think they should really be doing now with this kind of empty arena era. Is like they should be doing like they had that mania, they had the the four New York match and then the Funhouse match on the second night. That they, they did the the mind the bank match in a different location. So I really want them to keep this whole like cinematic kind of style of matches going. Like they need to have at least one match that takes place in a different location. For like each pay per view, you give like something unique. And I think at SummerSlam, if they keep this feud going, I think we hopefully we can get another installment of the Funhouse match. Like make that very specialty match. And this time, bring Braun into the funhouse. That would be pretty cool. Like, it's such a shame that we're not going to, like, we can't get, well, it's not really a shame for him, but, like, Luke Harper and Eric Rowan doing mm-hmm. some, like, cameos because they keep referencing the Wyatt family. But, obviously, Luke Harper, now Brody Lee, is doing awesome stuff in AEW. And um, I don't know what Rowan's up to, but probably something cool. The thing with Bray is, though, if, if you're going to go and put the belt back on him, I don't see why you can't like draw out this feud with Braun, basically because we don't know how long we're going to be in empty venues for, and like you don't know who else is really in a position where they can challenge Bray for the title, believably, because Roman isn't going to be coming back anytime soon. I don't think because it came out he said like I didn't I didn't decide to stay at home because of my like, immune system. That I want to stay home because I've got newborns and I want to set an example. And so I don't th- so I think he's like said on his business where he's not coming back uh, anytime soon. So, like, cause you know, as soon as he comes back, he's probably going to take the title. They need to have challenges for it in the meantime. Could you throw someone like Daniel Bryan in there? Uh, if, Bray, if Bray gets the belt back, then probably not because we've just seen that oh, God, a lot last year. Yeah. Yeah, well, it's a it's a quandary. It it's a difficult one. That's why I'd sort of give Big Ear push, to be honest. <laughs> oh God! <laughs> <laughs> I mean, can you imagine Big Ear though in the Firefly Fun in the Firefly Fun House segment? Well, did it's you best. see? Um, did you see Xavier Woods talk about he wants he uh, what a New Day match would be? Hmm. Instead of doing like all these cool matches, so he designed a, like a, a, um, a New Day match. It's just like people stuck on a rainbow, <laughs> like that, and just have, like unicorns and stuff everywhere. Like it sounds amazing. I think they should, <laughs> they should definitely do it. Yeah, book a New Day match now, Vincent. <laughs> do it, do it. Well, I like the idea of a biggie going to the fun house, and then you get Bray constantly like doing stuff related to the when he used to when Biggie used to do the five count. Oh. <laughs> and Kofi Kofi somehow has a Jamaican accent again yeah. <laughs> it's just <had> a <laughs> <laughs> and, and he keeps lecturing uh, 
Save your words about consequences. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that would be good. Let's do, let's do it. <laughs> we are available. I would instantly shut down rogue opinions if you want to give me a job, Vince. <laughs> <laughs> also, we, we, we covered how good the story was in that free match. And then we went on to, yeah, what if the New Day had a match? <laughs> well, I think everyone should have a special, everyone should have a specialist match during this era. Like, I don't, I don't why know. not? Yeah, why? Why not? Or if uh, we should have a, a sticks and weights match. If they feel like an old, like old, like classic, like rounds match, like in World of Sports, just at the end of each round, you need to start pumping iron, and then you get like three bites of a stick. You could bring back Kyrie's old gimmick and have a yachtsman's match. <laughs> that would be great. Um, should we move on before we get stuck down this rabbit hole? Yeah. We uh, have a WWE title match. Drew McIntyre taking on Seth Rollins, who had new music. Was I, I don't always watch Raw. Was this the first time he had this new music? I think given the reaction on Twitter, I think it is. Either that or a lot of people just haven't been watching Raw week to week. So I've mainly watched Raw now via clips, but Drew is the highlight of Raw nowadays. So I think this is the first time he's used that music. It's pretty good. Mm. I think it suits his character better than Burn It Down. It does go with the, the new character, whether people like it or not. So I don't mind it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This, is, this is a match where you, you think about it. Like I think it's one of the few matches where it works without a crowd as well. With a crowd, because you know, like, if it had been a crowd, there, people would have been popping for like, the big major spots. But they just focused on just doing a telling a really good story and having a good match. And I really like the, the build to this, where Seth basically like, I'm not going after Dell just because like I don't want Drew to have it. It's just I don't think Drew is ready right now to carry the burden that comes with being champion. And basically, it's almost like I'm doing you a favor by taking your title away. Yeah. yeah and they had that bit earlier in the night uh that we where drew was doing one of those backstage things with charlie caruso and drew was even there putting over seth about how amazing he is and how uh good he is and brought up how much responsibility the wwe championship is but he's got like the heart and the passion and everything um so that kind of lent in to that as well and it was interesting that seth came out alone mm-hmm I don't know what's happened to AOP. I think one of them's injured again. <laughs> From what I've heard. Jesus. From what I've heard. Oh, yeah, that was it. I think they, I think they got injured like before Mania. Mm. And like, decision by what happened on the Raw Fall and this, and also in the lead up to this, uh, he and Mur- Bur- Murphy kind of have some sort of a line still going. So I don't know why Murphy didn't come in. He just said he wanted to prove that he could do it on his own. But I also I think I liked about this match is the way Seth kind of worked over Drew in like the leg, because Drew is a tall man like he dwarfs most people, and like it's very rare that you have a a face that's taller than the heel. So I think the best way they could have done this is the way they did it with Seth remaining the heel by working over Drew, basically trying to take the leg out because that like chopped down Drew and also like and Seth when he took away the idea of like Drew can't use the claymore if he's in, if his legs injured. Yeah, it was cool to see, because um, that led into later in the match where Drew went for the Future Shock DDT mm-hmm. instead of the cur- not the curb stomp, sorry, the Claymore. Because yeah. like, I don't think Drew doesn't really use that much anymore. 
not that I've seen anyway. So it's kind of cool to see he's worked over the knee. So Drew has to try and go for something else to get the win. Because the Claymore's perhaps a little bit weakened. Yeah, um, he, he only brings out the future shock on rare occasions from what I've seen. Yeah, so thinking back to like WWE full time, like especially on the main roster, the, the future shock's become more of a, a transitional thing to set up for the Claymore. Whereas even when he was on the Indies, he still... It's when he started like using the Claymore more often, but the future shock on the Indies was still like a main finisher for him. So I think it's only since he came back to WWE full time that the, the Claymore's kind of taken over from the future shock. Yeah, this is just kind of like, this is such a good, basically just wrestling match, whereas everything else kind of on the card had some kind of more of a, kind of more of a gimmick behind it. This was mm-hmm. kind of the match that was just about the in, in-ring action. Like, you had some really cool spots. The spot with the table where Drew just basically just threw Seth yeah. <laughs> as far as humanly possible. He's scary strong, isn't he, Drew? Jesus. Oh, he is incredible. Like when he was throw, doing the like belly to bellies and that, it was like I thought Seth was going to like land over the turnbuckles. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, you know, in the money in the bank, you have like a mix of Raw and SmackDown, like people in it. But what's strange to me is that you look at this card. There's only two matches on the show that are Raw exclusive. This and that random thing with Archer and Lashley earlier on, which is weird and. Uh, What's also good is that you got to hear uh, some more Joes now back on commentary, and yeah. he had my favorite, he had my favorite call in this match, where also Drew does that Glasgow kiss like headbutt, and uh, they did kind of a version of like when where remember when they did that counter from the arc the into the curb stomp and that they did a version where it goes to the curb stomp, Drew got pulled out of it and hits him with the 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 headbutt, and you just hear Samoa Joe yelling yelling commentary, give us a kiss. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Well, have you ever received a Glasgow kiss, Scott? Uh, I can't say I have, no. Luckily. That headbutt and like, just the ending sequence in general was a great just great one spot there where they keep springing off each other and then eventually the Claymore, which I really like that. I didn't like it at first where they kept like, started doing this whole one, two, three like, Claymore thing because I thought it was just they were trying too hard, but I think Recently, they've really done a good job of kind of making the clue more basically a move that can be hit out of nowhere. Yeah, definitely. They had, they were in like I think the one, two, three Claymore thing was funny at first, but then it kind of just brought back memories of Edge towards the end when he started doing the spear, spear, spear thing like mm-hmm. a few years back, or well, probably about ten years back now. <laughs> but um. But, yeah, I like the fact that it came out of nowhere and it was kind of definitive. You knew it was done. So I think they've done a good job with the Claymore of making it one of those, like, almost F5 levels of devastating. Mm-hmm. Are you talking about, yeah. like, not picking out, um, out moves where Braun, other than, like, having to hit four power slams on Goldberg, like, Braun hits one power slam and it was over. And, like, not many people kick out the Claymore right now because Drew only had to, I think, hit the Claymore once in this match. They put Seth away, so I think they, I think you're starting to see a return of like, especially near the top of the card, finishing moves being protected. It does seem to be that way. Like what we say that, but um, Seth hit the uh, curb stop in this match and Drew kicked out like he got tickled. (laughs) (laughs) But that's obviously just them making sure that uh, Drew is cemented as being the tip top guy. 
It's Vince, Vince likes his top baby faces to be super strong. It's just his way, so it's, it's no surprise. I think anyone yeah. wants their top baby face to be super strong. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it did seem like what Vince would do with his like, top faces were like, they take finishers and kick out, but as soon as they hit their finisher, they only need to hit it once because obviously they are the top guy, so therefore their finisher should be like the best. And I thought it was interesting the way they did the whole like the handshake after the match. Like it felt like it felt like Seth was going to go away because like the kid, there were all these rumors around about WrestleMania that Seth and Becky were going away for a while, and then Seth like they did the handshake, and you know if there were fans in me, they'd probably be doing like a thank you Seth, and like they probably thought Seth was because they thought Seth was going away, but then Seth just popped up the next night on Raw and tries to take Ray's eye out. <laughs> yeah. Well, he had time to dwell on it. He was like, mm-hmm. you know what, I like that Drew. And he was like, hang on, what am I saying? I'm the bad guy. It's like, you guys have seen the film Megamind. He's just like, <laughs> toying with whether he's good or bad or not. <laughs> but yeah, it was a really good, as you say, straightforward wrestling match. And uh, both guys put Put on a great performance, I thought. Mm-hmm. Yeah, cause like, because like we talked about the the Bray match. I think that was more so like one long like angle war like story focused match to set up the eventual like match where you know, the Fiend takes on Braun. Whereas this, you knew it was going to be a one off, so they focused on just like the in ring aspect of it. So I think yeah. for different for different reasons, they were both like contenders for match of the night. But talking about straightforward wrestling matches, we have our main event. <laughs> oh, goody. Can, can I just say before we start this, like, I remember like, before the show, like, during the kickoff, they did this thing where they had the, a rand, random interviewer, C or whatever, like, going around different areas of the WWE like, headquarters and saying, well, at some point, the action could spill into this room. Or look, here's a random conference room. What if they ended up in here? And it just, it just had me thinking, like, what they should have done for this entire preview is, yeah, have the money in the bank matches at the, at the venue. Like, have the money in the bank matches, the whole match take place on the roof. And what I thought is, they should have just done the entire card at WHQ. Like, the New Day defensive title was in the lobby. Seth V. Drew in Vince's office. <laughs> <laughs> it would have been great if they were just, like, going around there and they were just like, oh, the action could spill into here, into the boiler room. They open it and Mankind's just sat in there. They're like, <laughs> yeah. oh, okay, maybe not in here. <laughs> like, do you remember, like, the old, like, WF, like, Super Bowl commercial where uh, oh, yeah. going, going across the headquarters and at the end, the other guy falling off and Vince going, get it? And somebody's saying, like, if, if Money in the Bank does not end with Vince saying, get it, as someone was flying off the roof, it's, it's all been for nothing. <laughs> um, I mean, how do we want to break this down? I like the way that they were doing, like, the entrances of people disappearing and, like, a stat check would appear. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and the women were in the lobby and uh, the men in the, the gym. Damn right. Well, um, I don't... Uh, I was like, how are they going to do this? Like, how are these? Are you all just going to arrive in the building? I thought they were going to like cinematic. Like, they all arrive in like like a big stretch of cars come up and everybody gets out <laughs> and wanders into the building. And like, but then it's like you're still watching it, and then it just cuts to the lobby, and all you can hear is the start of Lacey Evans' engine like, eh, eh, as she wanders into the lobby and still gear like, oh good lord. I'd have liked to see one person be smart, and you have like five people 
uh, appear for like the women and then it just cuts like five miles away and you just see like Carmela renting a helicopter <laughs> and she just flies to the room because there was well, that like, really there was that really dumb moment with Dana where she thought they were in the Money in the Bank conference room and she just grabs the briefcase and then Stephanie's like the briefcase on the roof and he just says like, Dana they said this like six weeks ago <laughs> it was going to be on the roof there's a whole thing on the roof <laughs> like, like, what I wanted was like everybody's going inside and you see like you know AJ Cell sneaking around the side of the building and he's got like a grappling hook or something like that and he just starts walking up the side of the building <laughs> Batman and Robin style climbing yeah. up <laughs> he's, like, he's, he's just singing the old song as he's going up to na 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 the funniest thing about the idea of them being in the, the gym, the, the men competitors, was the idea that Baron Corbin wandering in, full crowd, his whole king get up, just <laughs> into the gym. And then you just hear everyone, whoever was there, I can't remember who was there at that point, just one of them just went, oh no. <laughs> like they didn't know Baron was in the match. <laughs> like, <laughs> and Daniel Bryan showed up all happy, like, hey guys, ready to fight? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, I think my favourite one of other than the I like the Vince McMahon cameo, but I think one of my yeah. favourite moments is when Otis just puts that big bar of weights over AJ Styles. <laughs> yeah, oh, funny. <laughs> and then later on, he's running down the corridor or something. He like just goes, "Oh, I hope AJ's chest's okay" or something like that. <laughs> oh. I, I think Asuka in hindsight, uh, especially when we talk about Ikram, is the smartest person in this entire match because. Like they're all waiting for Asuka, and she turns it. She's on like this balcony above the lobby, and just dies on everybody. Yeah, and then just yeah. runs straight into the elevator. Straight into the elevator. Yeah, brilliant. <laughs> oh, that was. Uh, do we want to talk about the cameos just all at once? Yeah, okay. you had uh, brother, brother love in the, in the toilet. <laughs> that was really funny. When he said to Ray, I love, I love you. you. <laughs> what did Ray say? Do you just go? I do you go? I know or something? Or I love I you too. I think I said I love you too. Yeah, <laughs> I think he said I love you too. But I go to Gorg and he just starts chasing after everybody. <laughs> uh, Paul Heyman in catering or something. Oh, that, that was so funny because like he picks up this bit of fruit and then sort of shakes his head and puts it back. <laughs> Well, that was so good when Naya and Otis had a stare down and Otis just eating a massive sandwich <laughs> whilst they're staring down. Uh, Jada gets Ray and the Kirifuda Klutz and lets him go and both Naya and Otis squash him. We brand of information, like, you know there's a bit where they're going through and there's the janitor like, mopping the floor and then basically... Dana takes like the pratfall and like flies as if she's flitting a banana peel in Super Mario Kart. <laughs> <She just falls. laughs> yeah. Apparently, that janitor was being played by uh, Bruce Pritchard's son. Oh, and, okay. And apparently, his name's Kane. Yeah, his, name, his, his son's name is Kane. Yeah, 100% <laughs> true. Always find, like, Scott always finds a way to get him into every show. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you're damn right. I, I did love the bit where Corbin tries to throw the weight at somebody and it smashes that mirror and, and the sort of look at his face, like the, oh shit, that's coming out of my next paycheck kind of <laughs> look, wasn't it? <laughs> well, well, so you know, you know the, the famous adage, break a mirror during a wrestling match equals seven years of bad booking. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's going to be a jester in no time. <laughs> Something like people weren't, I think some people making comments about the, the segment in Vince's office where 
like AJ and Ray kind of, or AJ and Brian slowly put the chairs back and then wander around people like, oh, like, yeah, that's what we want from our wrestlers. Like, you wouldn't see Austin slowly putting the chairs back and like, first off, can we please stop comparing people to previous wrestlers? I know, yeah, it's getting old. And they're like, oh, this person's the next, this person. No, they're not. Stop putting yeah. that pressure on them. And mm. apparently the whole putting the chairs back is apparently maybe an inside joke where Vince, if you're having a meeting with Vince, he likes the chairs being put back like where they were at the end. <laughs> yeah, I saw that thing and I saw people saying that, oh, like about oh, Vince likes his chairs being put back at the end of meetings. I see, yes, so would I. Like, it's called, <laughs> guys, I don't know if you guys have, it's called manners. <laughs> like, you're in someone else's office. <laughs> like it's not. It's not the thing. Was like, or it's not like the thing where Vince hates sneezing so much yeah. or something like that. No, this is just being a good person. <laughs> like he wants his chairs put back. Yeah. In, in terms of like the list of weird yeah. things of expenses, is very low down. Yeah. This is this is very low down in the sense that it's just a normal, polite thing to do. Like, what do you want? people to just start getting up pushed a chair over and, and then just walk out instead like what <laughs> i thought it was a well done spot though it's like when they sort of realize where they are and vince is there they kind of stop and look like naughty skilled children kind of vibe going on yeah it's pretty funny as well yeah i did like vince with the hand sanitizer and then uh after when they're outside it was like wow you're a real coward in there but you're the one who said put the chairs back and then they just go right back to fighting. Oh, yeah, and then AJ goes, I was, wasn't I? And then just hits Brian straight in the face. I also love, like, the Undertaker flashbacks AJ got when he saw the poster on the wall and then opens that room and it's all smoky and uh, the, the casket in there and everything. Oh, yeah, yeah. that's funny. And then Black pushes him and the... <laughs> yeah. Lock, locks him in. There was a lot of, like... There was a lot of things happening on random floors and then that person suddenly appearing like two seconds later like seven floors up (laughs) (laughs) all the things that happened to aj we just kept (laughs) popping up like nothing had happened yeah it was really funny like i'll say that to knock it i thought it was really funny oh yeah this whole thing was just like a bit of a car crash but the best in the best Mm. way possible I mean, like, no one lost anything from losing this match. Like, you're not going to suddenly be like, oh, Shayna lost this match. Because it was just spoilers, like, by the way. The thing we, like, the, on the women's side, I think, I remember saying a tweet out at the start of the match, like, I still cannot figure out why Dana Brooke is in this match. And then, over the course of it, it came immediately apparent that they need somebody on the women's side to look stupid and not lose any credibility. <laughs> and, like, nobody really cares about Dana Brooke yeah. anyway. So, like, if you have her thinking she's won the match and then Carmella grabs a picture of herself winning the money in the bank yeah that was brilliant <laughs> and then later on at the food fight uh, Dana Brooke appears with the photo still around her <laughs> <laughs> you've got no credibility you can't lose any this and then is... what we mentioned about Lacey Carmella comes out of that conference room and immediately turns into a right hand from Lacey <laughs> yeah. and calls her and nasty and it just runs off <laughs> doesn't doesn't Naya just slam Shayna into the wall or something and that pretty much takes her out of the match that was a good you... standoff like I'd be quite into seeing Shayna yeah, so I remember Rousey had a had a uh, pretty decent match with mm. Naya Jax at some point I can't remember when and um, so I'd, I'd be quite into seeing Shayna take on Naya yeah it'd be an interesting match I remember 
like one spot I really wanted that I didn't get in this match is I remember when like at WrestleMania X seven in that hardcore match where you had like Kane Big Show going through obvious like plastered walls that <laughs> probably set up just so they could go through them. I wanted Nia to like run at somebody, they move it the way and I go through one of these walls and it's it's rev- and another angle it's showing that she took out some like poor office worker that was on the other side of the wall just like runs through the, the guy and you see him just lying on the like, help me <laughs> Uh, yeah, I think we could have done with some. Like, if you really want to up the stupidity, we could have done with some more cameos. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, like the shitty one. doink thing, didn't they? Which like, nothing <laughs> like doink the clown. Oh, it's just like a, a bloke in a shirt with a with clown makeup on. Yeah, well, the doink character transitioned so much. I think people know <laughs> that it's more like an evil spirit. Yeah. Um, so, should we get to? Should we get to the crime? I think maybe it's because I enjoyed the stupidity of it and like the more it went on the more I enjoyed it is it just me who didn't like this match as much when it went to the roof because I think it lost something as soon as they got to the roof yeah like it was like the stupid bit was over and then everyone was like oh yeah we're actually meant to be doing something pretty (laughs) serious like I'm glad they they kept the roof bit pretty short like there wasn't long between Asuka getting the briefcase and then they had to cut in like like it was an actual sporting event. They had like Michael Cole to come in and like explain what just yeah, happened. Yeah. <laughs> and the weird thing is, I didn't I, I didn't really realise there'd been no commentary throughout the match until Cole suddenly piped up. Yeah, it was pretty what? funny. Like, like he was going to come in and like give us Asuka's win loss record and everything else she's done, and then well, like, well, the thing. Sorry, sorry, interrupt me, but what was weird is. Obviously, it's two matches happening at once. So her music starts playing, she's won, and then the next shot, she suddenly disappeared. And then you realise there's still <laughs> technically a match going on. We've still got another, another match to go. And also, she decided to uh, knock Baron Corbin off the ladder as well while she was at it. <laughs> yeah, that there's was one weird. E, there's, one e, there's one each, Asuka, but no. <laughs> like, Baron Corbin is such a glory hog that he actually tries to take Asuka's moment. They could have both just won. And uh, but that's not the that's not the worst thing Baron Corbin's going to do because oh. Baron, Baron Corbin killed two people, committed double homicide. But that would have been another amazing bit if he threw Ray off the roof, and then um, Ray falls and Big Show catches him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or like Big Show is just backing up a monster truck. And just catches him in the back of it, or something like that. <laughs> like we could have done with a big show moment. I know it's meant to be pretty serious because you're like, oh shit, it threw someone off a roof. I don't know oh, if you yeah. were really meant to take it serious because it was done sort of so nonchalantly, like it didn't really matter. And then he does the same to Alistair Black as well, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah. I, I really was annoyed about that because, like, that was one of the things I didn't like about the roof portion is that he kept teasing like the idea of it on Raw and like it was a case of like. You've said it so many times that you know, if you don't do it, then people are going to be annoyed. And like you had the reports coming out, the events was kind of showing people how to take like the fall of the roof. And like the idea was like they did it like you said so nonchalant, it just ran like no build up. Uh, Rage just goes flying, and then before you can even process it, Alistair Black's gone as well. And you're like, okay, not even like another like alternate camera cut to make it seem like they've fallen further than they have. And then on, on Raw the next night, it's like, oh, yeah, there was another roof, like, six feet down. So, oh, yeah, we're totally fine. And by the time we got back up, the match was over. Like, 
he still fell six feet. He didn't say what was the bottom of that other roof. Like it could have been the hard concrete. That still would have really hurt. So, like, how how are you still fine? Do you think they do you think they were like, oh, okay, we we need to do a roof spot, but we actually can't lose anyone right now because we've also <laughs> yeah. got raw tomorrow. <laughs> so there's like nobody that we could do this to in this match that we don't then need twenty four hours later. Um, yeah, it was pretty. It was pretty funny though. Like, what, as ridiculous as it was. What did we think of the finish to the men's with, uh, was it AJ and Corbin fighting Corbin. over it? And AJ sort of has the case but fumbles it and it drops down to Otis who catches it. Quite, I've seen quite a few people complaining about it. But AJ had it. How can, how can Otis win? But it's quite clear to me that AJ obviously didn't have it because he, he managed to drop it. Yeah, Corbin and... Corbin and AJ were like pulling it back and forth that Elias mm. comes in, which backs up what Corbin had said earlier on the show about how he took out the lame musician Elias or whatever. Uh, hits Corbin in the back of a guitar, which then kind of jolts him forward. AJ fumbles it and Otis catches it in a pretty well done spot. Mm. Like they got that was that was bang on and uh, oh. Otis. Um, yeah, pe- people complained about it, but uh, to be honest, grow up. You just saw two men get thrown off a roof. Uh, I know, people find weird things to pick at when it comes to wrestling, don't they? And overall, what did you think of the two what do you think of the two winners? I think the thing with the way Otis win, like if Carmela getting a briefcase dropped down to her by James Ellsworth counts as a win, I don't see how this doesn't count. And the thing with Elias popping up is I'll be down hasn't been up on my list of priorities right now unless it's like a clip involving like Bray Wyatt. I don't really check out SmackDown a lot these days, so uh, so like I forgot after the whole WrestleMania match, I kind of forgot about Elias. So then he just kind of pops up out of nowhere, and then also in the next shot, when when Baron Corbin's fell, we don't see Elias getting out there. And the next shot is just AJ dropping the case, and he owes his hands, and Elias has somehow disappeared. Like was he ever there at all? It's like <laughs> he immediately got into his helicopter. That's it. He just teleported onto the roof to attack Baron Corbin and immediately disappeared again. Well, it's all, it was all about Otis at that moment. I think if they'd been cutting away to like the angle was done, Elias cost Corbin. I, th- I think, in my opinion, if they'd then cut back to Elias, it would have kind of ruined Otis's moment as kind of the winner. Right. Also, now, sorry. No, go on. It's cool. Also, now we talk about like AJ being in, and AJ was a, a favourite. And you would also AJ won that gauntlet to replace Apollo. But I think, according to like reports, this was actually taped on like the fifteenth of April, so it was actually taped before they did the angle where Apollo got injured. So basically, Apollo was never meant to be in the match. I think that this injury is also an angle to kind of set up Apollo coming back and eventually beating Andrade for the US title. But what's also weird is that apparently the same day they did this is the same day they did all those releases. So AJ oh, oh, that. So AJ's doing this match at the same time his two friends are being told, oh yeah, you're, uh, we're letting you go. Oh, well. You win some, you lose some. Go sign up to their Patreon support. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, I get Asuka obviously won the women's one, Otis won to men. We've not had the follow-up on SmackDown, but we did have a big follow-up on Raw. Mm-hmm. Uh, shall, we, shall we run through that? Yeah, I think we should. It's an important segment, and people are talking about it. Definitely, we we heard 
in the run-up to Monday Night Raw, Becky was going to make a big announcement. Lots of rumours were flying around, and for once, the, the rumours were actually true. Normally, uh, you hear these things, and it ends up being a bit of a, a nothing announcement, doesn't it? But How much of it do you think is rumours, and how much of it do you think is a woman said she had a big announcement, and everyone went, oh, rumours are she's pregnant? <laughs> I, I think the big thing I think apparently I think given Raw is they're going back to the little pre-tape nature with TV now uh, in, the, in the performance I think that's how things like this are getting out and it, it does seem like you can tell when Dewey kind of realised Be- what Becky's incident was because uh, they send out a tweet with a picture of her and Asuka saying that Becky will confront Asuka the winner of the Bums by the Bank and then within like an hour later it's just a picture of Becky saying that Becky has an announcement so you guys still like very quickly they suddenly realise that oh yeah we're going to have to change kind of the context of the segment because uh, we now know what Becky has to say. Yeah, uh, I'd say obviously congratulations to mm-hmm. Becky and yep. Seth. Uh, cheers, Seth. We were all enjoying Becky's reign, but <laughs> well, <laughs> I, I, I kind of outgrown her. But... All right, Scott's too too good for it now. Um. Well, well, I'm, 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 I'm probably just a little bit that she didn't drop the title at, at Mania but a big thing about this has just been all the memes that have came out regarding yeah. Seth Rollins and the, the, idea, like, yeah. the, the best one being like oh there goes another one on the show because Seth is unsafe <laughs> that's hilarious so I think it's, it's great obviously they, they, they could transition straight to Asuka to be mm-hmm. kind of dominant dominant champion and the reaction for Becky when she comes back is obviously going to be awesome and there's a built in story there if she does decide she wants to come back um, and I think it's going to be interesting to someone to fill that Becky void because mm-hmm. she is obviously one of the biggest stars the company kind of has that right now she's kind of the face of almost everything um, do, do we think Asuka can do that and if not who do we want to step up I, I actually believe Asuka can. I mean, you can't deny she's been one of the stars of the empty arena uh, era with a madcap dancing and shouting, even though you don't understand half the stuff she's saying. It's, it's still entertaining and people are still praising her. So I, I, think, she's, I think she can step up. It's interesting that if this was as pre-taped as, people, as it's reported, it was like, Obviously, I think they had to change it to being like, oh, the match is actually for the title and the title was inside the briefcase. You got to think what the plans might have been before this, because obviously if it was pre-taped before they knew that Becky was was pregnant. And I think it goes back to what we were talking about at WrestleMania, Nathan, where obviously Becky is going away. I think at the very least, it'll be a year, maybe even a year and a half before Becky can, like, we can hear rumours about Becky coming back. So, like, and it's a thing about where the four horsemen have like kind of dominated the the main title scene. That this is a period where they need to like have people stepping up. Because like Asuka, it's great that she's back in the title scene, and I think now along with Bailey, she's the second ever women's Grand Slam champion. Yeah. Uh, although the only thing she's got over Bailey is that she's also won the the Royal Rumble, and uh, Bailey's not done that. And what's interesting is like. I think with Shane, a lot of people were annoyed that she didn't want like I was kinda of disappointed she didn't even make it to the roof. Like, they didn't have anything happen to her or like on the roof bit of the, the match. And then like, because 
I think for a lot of people, like, because they had the Royal Rumble, she showed up, she lost. But I think you didn't need to have her win the Rumble to have her to settle that match with Becky. And then she lost the match with Becky, which in hindsight, given what we now know, maybe it would have been a wiser choice to have Becky drop the title. Because obviously then you wouldn't have had to like make a change in the the mind the bank match with having Asuka now having to be the champion, and and now she lost like she enters money in the bank and then loses, and I think I think it's for a lot of people there, a lot of fans are kind of I guess sour on Shayna or at least they're booking because obviously she's another person that's came up from XT, gotten these major title opportunities and kind of lost. Yeah, I think I'd. Uh... Defend them slightly, obviously, on the WrestleMania thing, obviously, presumably not even Becky knew. Um, so that would be some that would be some almighty hindsight. Yeah. <laughs> if, Vince, if Vince McMahon knew. <laughs> like, um, but I think with Shayna, you definitely, you are right, she does need to be some, some dominant wins wouldn't go amiss. I think Shayna and Asuka is perhaps the way way to go i know we saw it a little bit elimination chamber but the elimination chamber was there so it kind of changes that a little mm. bit and yeah i think we thought of like destroying natalia this mm. week on raw yeah. which like and, and not making it to the roof i think she did choke out Rey mysterio at one point mm-hmm. and the perhaps the match is so ridiculous that people aren't really going to remember that they're kind of just going to remember it for asuka and then what happened on Raw, and obviously whatever they do with Otis going forward. So I hope like, people aren't necessarily probably going to hold that against Shane just because of what the match really was, which was completely bonkers. Yeah. yeah. Another no, question. Can... Do, do we assume Asuka's a baby face now? I think uh, so. Well, she didn't kick Becky in the stomach, so I think we can say, <laughs> yeah. say she's kind of a good person now. I did like, what was it, CM, CM Punk on that, whatever that Fox show is called, uh, when, oh, I was thinking Asuka should have sprayed the green mist in Becky's face. Is that, is that safe to do? Like, <laughs> I don't, don't want to risk it. <laughs> yeah, let, let's, just, let's just have a happy moment, guys. Not everything needs to be like, oh, if we had a good heel turn. Like, the, moment, the moment was pretty nice. It was a nice moment. The fair with Shayna is she did kind of like do a lot of good in a, a promo she cut. I think it was a, a post raw where she kind of said like I signed up for a ladder match, not a match where I had to fight through an entire building to get to a rooftop and then compete in a ladder match. So I think the idea is like she said like I would have won if this was a straight ladder match. I would have won like and not like whatever the hell this crazy match was. So she kind of like saved herself like there. And I think with her asking Naya at the centre of the division, maybe you can even set the seeds for a Kabuki Warriors match down the line, like if Kyrie and Asuka kind of break up because they're both of them want to be the champion. And I think they'll build up Liv Morgan to hopefully at one point be a, like, a contender at least. So I think they've got enough like components on Raw to like keep the division like going until Becky comes back. I think Bianca what? Belair as well, just to throw her oh, name. Oh, yeah, just definitely. Just and throw her name in there. She oh, was doing yeah, Bianca almighty, versus... almighty things at NXT. Like she was having some absolute killer matches and mm-hmm. had really, really, really improved. Uh, and in got, yeah, and then you've got like Charlotte, technically still a Raw. Like, like, so like, when she's done with like NXT and like eventually drops that title, if, like, if there's a month where they're short on a contender... The champion is like Charlotte's always somebody who can kind of slot in for like a brief program, and then uh, you got the iconics 
came back recently. I think they're officially raw, like superstars. So, like they've got enough women. Like they've got. Mm. I think the raw women's division is still like got a lot stronger contenders than the SmackDown one has at the moment. I think that's why people are so desperate for Sasha V Bailey because there's not really anybody else left on SmackDown. Because even though like both divisions are kind of eclipsed by NXT, but I think of the two, Raw's kind of stronger than SmackDown at the minute. Yeah, I mean, I would um, maybe campaign for just having the NXT title and unifying the women's division. That's probably it, like across Raw and SmackDown, just having one title. Maybe. Like, I, I know that's probably a conversation for a different podcast, but I, I, I kind of agree with you. I watch SmackDown every week in the women's division. At, like Bailey and Sasha do a great job of propping it up with like their star power, and obviously you've got Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross. Um, as well, um, they, they're always they're always tons of fun. But outside of that, it's kind of it's pretty it's pretty weak for kind of star power. And yeah, I'm including Lacey Evans in that as well. But like, it's really kind of lacking at times. No, what's happened? <laughs> no, it is. It's really it's really lacking at times. And like, it's not necessarily the popular thing to say, but. God, if if we could just get Ronda Rousey's music to hit on SmackDown, like it, it would light a fire underneath the women's division because it is kind of pretty pretty weak. Although the Sasha and Bailey stuff is is good, like they do some awesome stuff. Outside of that, you're really stretching for anything of note at times. Yeah, I mean that is a trouble. You got your two biggest stars, female stars on SmackDown, and and they're together and sort of uh, in a team at the moment aren't they so yeah you, you need them sort of competing against each other really don't you mm-hmm. yeah pretty much the reason i bring up like the idea of like because of how long becky will be like gone for and i think like i said they've got enough contenders on raw that they can keep it going at least for at least for a while it's just, i wanted to bring it up because we had that discussion on like the main review about how the four horse women have kind of dominated the title scene for a long time that kind of hinders some, like when they try to push other people. Because like I remember when Roman went away in 2018, people pointed out kind of like the idea like not a lot of other people had been built up other than Roman at the time. So like that meant they had to put the belt right back on Brock, and like how that affected the main event scene on Raw. So I was, I was wondering like hopefully that we won't have the same situation in the women's division on Raw now that Becky's gone because she has basically been the at the center of it for holding the title for over a year. I think that's why she even, probably sure that's why she even kept the belt in the first place. I mean, is that she was so close to cracking a year and then went on to be like the longest reigning champion officially. Yeah, they definitely haven't, they definitely do have enough people there in a much better position than the men's division was when Roman ha- had to go. Like, they've got Asuka, Kyrie, Shayna, Nia, uh, Bianca Belair, if they want to, which hopefully they will put a rocket behind her. Uh, just to name kind of a few, like they've got some legitimate challenges there mm-hmm. for definite. So I think it is, it is in safe hands. And when Becky does decide like to come back and get back in the ring, like the reaction is going to be mental. And you've got, mm-hmm. you're going to have so many stories there if Becky wants to come back and kind of claim that she is obviously the, the champion because she had to give it up rather than uh-huh. lose. I have a feeling yeah. she will come back, but perhaps on a lighter, maybe even part-time sort of schedule. I think you can see definitely what from what I've done. Rob Rollins is going to stick around. I think uh, if Rollins is still like sticking around, I don't think Rollins will be 
here like post SummerSlam. I think he's gonna that'll be the longest he'll stick around for. And they say about apparently Becky's due in December. So I think if Becky's gonna come back, I mean the very minimum you can hope to see here is maybe around SummerSlam twenty twenty one, if even that, because like we don't know how long Becky's gonna want to stay with her like her newborn before she starts training again. Obviously, like you don't know how long it takes to train to get back in the ring shape post having a child and all that. So the the very minimum, if even that, is probably SummerSlam twenty twenty one. But I think we we probably won't see her until like end of twenty twenty one, maybe even twenty twenty two. Yeah, yeah, unless she pops up to I don't know, maybe host an event or just got a promo or something, not actually get into the ring. Yeah, but I might see her in that sort of capacity, perhaps. Yeah, because you know there's going to be those fans doing like, right, 2021 Women's Royal Rumble, where we're always Becky coming back, like, no, she's not coming back. <laughs> like, like, two days after she gets birth, you're going to check out the best betting odds, and it'll be like five to one, <laughs> Becky Lynch, straight in. Still, she's going to throw five people out and pop out the ring to give a quick breastfeed. <laughs> <laughs> just jump straight back in. Also, have you seen that T-shirt that he's releasing? The mum. <laughs> yeah. Did you see what Becky tweeted about it? Yeah. Yeah. She I can't be of... angry. I need the solution, money. <laughs> <laughs> oh well, that seems like a good way to end this review. Yeah. Also, see, we haven't really talked a lot about uh, the men's winner, though, have we? Like we talked about how we won, but we didn't really talk about the decision, like. Because I, I, I think some people are mixed on the idea of what has been the winner. I think yeah. it gives the focus over to. I've said they did the cool thing on Raw with Asuka. Like, I, I don't know whether the Money in the Bank formula. Maybe this is a good way to shake it up by having kind of a more comedy character win it and use it to do something else. Because he was on about using it to cash in on the tag team division, wasn't he? Which by by the rules, like no, they've never said it needs to be the world title. I think they um, have. Have they? Pretty sure it's like you have. They keep focusing on a world title opportunity. I'm pretty sure it's it's been a big thing about the money in the bank, unless they just decide just to suit Otis and Heavy Machinery that oh, we'll make it about the tag titles. That I thought they were just said. I, I thought they've always just said it guarantees you a title match. Uh, uh, Maybe they have said world title at some point, but well, they can change that. They don't. They don't worry about canon things like that. If they want to tweak things along the way, do they? So they can either do an angle or make up some excuse if they if they want him to cash in on the tag champs. Oh yeah, it's a briefcase hanging on the top of a skyscraper. I don't think it abides by any logical rules. <laughs> no, exactly. <laughs> like... The best argument for Otis at the moment is like for against those who like aren't really happy with the result of him winning. I think it's the idea of like we moan we complain that people who are get over organically don't get opportunities and then somebody who's over organically wins the money in the bank and people are complaining. It's like you gotta think if there was a crowd there, people would have he would have got a big reaction for getting the briefcase because people love what it's yeah, completely. Like people would have gone nuts because it's so unexpected. Like yeah. every year, you see people say that we want an unexpected Royal Rumble winner, or we want a, like an unexpected Chamber winner, unexpected Money in the Bank winner. And then when it does happen, people are oh well, really <laughs> it makes more storyline sense if like Baron Corbin or Alistair Black wins. Uh, Otis isn't serious enough, you know. I'm just trying to lighten up. You just saw 
12 people fight for a fucking corporate skyscraper and they <laughs> say that he's exactly. serious enough like two people just got thrown off a roof <laughs> yeah, like, I remember like going into money in the bank like I didn't think anybody from Smackdown had a chance like looking at the Smackdown side like we talked about how the Smackdown women's division looks compared to Raw and I think it was evident in the women's match where you had Lacey Evans who's had so many opportunities that the Ryan Smackdown women's titles that it didn't look likely. Carmella's won the briefcase before. And again, Dana Brooke, I think, was just there to fill a spot. Whereas on SmackDown, you had Brian won the briefcase before. Mm-hmm. Corbin's won the briefcase before. I think Otis, by comparison, being the only one who hadn't won it before on SmackDown, I think he was funny and he's over. And a lot of people just didn't seem likely. And I think that helps it because it is so unexpected. And people say, like, oh, I don't see this going well. Oh, he's probably going to cash in and fail. You've got a year to build Otis up as a potential contender if you do want to have the title. And there's no guarantee it's going to be a long reign. I think the big thing about uh, the idea of him not cashing successfully is the fact that he's the main champion on SmackDown. Looks, looks like it might end up being The Fiend. And like the idea of how do you book Otis being The Fiend. Yeah. Well, I think, I think fun... Sorry, Carl, before you speak, one... But, what Scott just said about people thinking it's unlikely. Uh, Scott, do you want to tell the people what you said you're going to do if Otis or Carmella won? No, I don't think this is legally advice. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, no, one, no one made you say it, Scott. You, you said it. Yeah, un- you. Unlike, unprovoked. <laughs> unprovoked. Do you want to tell the people what you're going to do? I all finally said it because you somehow... Because you said that you felt Carmella or Otis would win, I said if Otis or Carmella win, I would shave my head. Good. So when is that happening? <laughs> this is an audio format. I, I did not. I could tell you I've shaved my head. Would know the difference. Just put a bald cap on, like you said, Steve Cutler was doing. <laughs> I've done it, lads. On this. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, back like back to Otis. There's, there's a bunch of like funny or interesting stuff they could do they've still got the mandy storyline going on we don't know where that's going so people just preemptively writing it off are kind of boring and i think they're gonna have hopefully a load of fun with otis for a bit even if he you know if he ends up challenging for the world title and gets squashed but yeah we're still probably gonna get some decent story storylines mm-hmm. out of it but i was gonna say i think he's a sort of character that could get away with a failed cash in to be honest Oh, definitely. I don't, think it would, I don't think it would hurt him too much. He's so sympathetic, and it might be it might be the Kofi effect of what happened at the chamber, where he got so close, and then everyone mm. got even further behind him that WWE had no choice but to run with Kofi Mania. Maybe that's maybe that's what you need. Like just because someone fails at a cash in, although it's been a bit botched in the past, with Baron Corbin springs to mind. And Damien Sandow. <laughs> he, was, he could never have beaten Jinder. <laughs> like, it, it was crappy failed cash-in. So there is probably a good way they could do it with Otis that actually mm. gives him something more. And I was like, where, where is Otis's ceiling, kind of, as a character? Do we see him as a world champion? I think at the moment, apparently Vince is <coughs> as a character, but how far Vince is, that's going to take him. I think if he loses, but they use that in the story to help build into a later world title win, I think can do a lot more for him than cashing in successfully. It also depends who the, who the champion is. Like If it ends up being Braun Strowman for a long time, 
could you really do a good way for Otis to beat Braun? And again, if then if it's the Fiend, <clears throat> is there a good way where people wouldn't instantly write off the Fiend as dead like they have done about nine times now? <laughs> yeah. Um, if Otis beats the Fiend, like it's gonna be it's gonna be problematic. But I'm I looking mean, for, I'm looking forward could, to what they do. Like, it's gonna don't want to discount that Otis is a big man. He's over three hundred pounds, so. You know, if he if he sneaks up behind you and waffles with that briefcase, it's it's gonna take you out, isn't it? Mm. Plus, people are like, can we really see Otis winning the Universal Title with the Caterpillar? Like, the most over move was the Rock running back and forth and dropping an elbow on. People. Yeah, people compare it to the Sky Two Hotty one, but Sky Two Hotty was like a hundred and ninety pound man. This is a three hundred and thirty pound man. Dropping an elbow on you. I mean, that's also, gonna we, hurt. Is, is anyone want to say like I've seen that before as well? People being like, "Oh, it's just like it's just the worm." You like, d- does anyone want to say the worm wasn't over? Exactly. Mm-hmm. Like when he did that, that it was ridiculous. It was just like a weird punch to the face thing. But it was one of the most over things on any night in the Attitude Era. Like it was one of the most over moves that. Half, half the time, didn't even, he didn't even get a chance to hit because he was too busy dancing. Yeah, and half, half the time up. he never even pinned anyone after because they just rolled out the ring. <laughs> like, it's pretty funny. But, well, that was money in the bank. Hopefully, hopefully it doesn't. The rumours of like what was losing the briefcase to someone like Baron aren't true because that would be the worst. I think that would be worse for him than when uh, cashing in losing, I think. I'm losing the briefcase to somebody else. Yeah. Oh, well, we shall see. Friday hasn't come yet uh, for that time yeah. recording. So, hopefully, maybe he just fills it with gunge like Dean Ambrose did. <laughs> <laughs> or pancakes. Oh, I really want to see him like decorate the briefcase. It's like we don't see that enough. Like we used to see it at the start, like Van Damme Edge used to put like their logos on it and then. Yeah, Brock kind of doing the beatbox thing. I want to see Otis just cover it with pictures of himself and Mandy or something like that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> or a lunchbox with his this uh, steak in. Money. <laughs> Do you think he money could money give in the it, lunchbox? Do you think he could give it to Mandy for Mandy to cash in on Bailey? Like, is that is that doable? Could he like do a really cute thing and give it as a gift to her, and then she cashes it in? I think the whole... You don't know. I mean, anything's possible. You know, I know, like you said, like WWE doesn't usually like, follow its own rules, but like the whole thing is, that there's maybe one for the women and one for the men in terms of the briefcase, and they just and they already had someone cash in technically. Yeah, true, true. Oh but, well, that's going to be, be fun. Interesting. It's going to be next year when it comes to the women's money in the bank. Is also you know why they had to have Asuka like get the title because the big had to go away. What'll be interesting now is that we've had four women's money in the banks uh, so far. And uh, so far, we've not yet had a failed cash-in, so I think it's only a matter of time before pretty sure the next yeah. woman who went to mind the bank might fail to cash-in. I mean, that happened with the men's up until... Um, must have been up until Damien Sandow. Well, I think Cena was before that. So, oh, was he? Okay. Like, it did in 2005 and the first field was in 2012, but like, you had uh, Carmel hold on to it for ages, you had uh, Bailey and Alexa won it, like in the same night, and then obviously the, the following night on Raw, Asuka was revealed like, oh, actually, you won the title, you didn't win the briefcase. Yeah. 
Ah. And I just want to say, Asuka's celebrations when she won the title was just pure magic, by the way. Dancing around the ring and then on the commentator's desk. It was just brilliant. <laughs> I'm the champion! I'm the champion! <laughs> that was really funny. But that was Money in the Bank, guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was. It was a good show. What would you give it overall? I would, I would give it a definitely watch it. Mm-hmm. That sounds think, fair enough. <laughs> I think it's, it's for a B pay per view. Uh, it's a really strong show. I mean, when you look at like the pay per views we've had so far this year, I think it's one of the better ones. And like, especially like the fact that it had no crowd. And obviously, I like the insanity of these like pre taped cinematic matches. And I hope these keep going for as long as we don't have fans. Yeah, uh, I, I like the way they are making the most of it with. Uh, these different matches and yeah like you say long may it continue while while they while they can mm-hmm. and i'd give money in the bank seven stars in the tokyo dome <laughs> oh my god <laughs> <laughs> i really want to know like how they can keep this going like what kind of special match can they have at backlash <laughs> yeah hopefully they'll come up with something interesting mm-hmm you can only hope. But thanks for listening, everyone. Yeah, thank yeah. you. Hope you enjoyed Money in the Bank as well. And if you didn't, don't tell us. <laughs> yeah, we don't. We don't want to hear it. <laughs> not, not interested. Not interested at all. But Carl, where can the people find us? People can find us at Rogue underscore Opinions at Twitter and Instagram. We've got a website. Um, Rogue Opinions 20 at wordpress.com and you can find me at Carlos underscore fire 89 on Twitter and Instagram and Nathan where can people find you? Uh, you can find me at uh, Nathan Greenaway make sure you go back through the archives as well and give everything else a listen uh, there's plenty of retro Smackdown content and our lockdown quizzes as as well so go give those a listen please Scott, where can people find you? And what have you got going on? Yeah, you can not tell me what you thought of Money in the Bank on Twitter <laughs> at Scott1996 because if you didn't like it, I don't need you harshing my vibes. Uh, <laughs> as Nathan said, the Rogue Richards Matt interview is carrying on. Uh, something this week, the second episode that I did with Nathan should be out, a big uh, DX-themed episode. And uh, the next, I'm setting up the date for the next couple of episodes for the virus series to be recorded very soon. Uh, and also, like you said, the lockdown quiz, we've got another quiz that should be coming out soon. Exactly. But thank you guys for listening. And we will, we'll speak to you again soon. And also, probably at Backlash as well. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> no doubt. All right. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye. Uh,